Thank you very much. Uh, the term Yishev Eretz Yisrael is used in the Talmud with two different meanings. Uh, one is a Chayvah that the whole community is obligated to take care of. And one is a Chayvah that individual people are obligated to look after. The Chayvah is the mitzvah that we refer to as Yishev Eretz Yisrael to see to it that Eretz Yisrael is... Uh, run by Jews it's uh, brought up from the Arabs uh, and it's under Jewish control and the other myth was Yeshiva be Eretz Yisrael for every individual to live uh, in Eretz Yisrael now we learn the Chumash and we see that Abraham Avinu was commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Lech Lechom Yartzachom and Veladatachom El Ha'aretz HaSher HaRecha he was commanded to move uh, to Eretz Yisrael so the question is, maybe this is only maybe that was only a, a mitzvah that was given a mitzvah that was given to Abraham Avinu that doesn't apply in the future generations so we study the Mishnah in the end of Ketubis where it's made very clear that this mitzvah applies throughout all the future generations it's not only a Hirashah that was only given to Abraham Avinu uh, the Mishnah and the Gemara don't really discuss whether this is a biblical obligation or a rabbinical obligation is it a mitzvah in a Torah, a mitzvah in the Rabban, which wouldn't really make that much of a difference. I mean, we, uh, we listen to the reading of the Megillah, we like Neres Chanukah with the same zest and the same excitement that uh, we put on Tzillin, maybe more excitement than we put on Talos and Tzillin every day. We Orthodox Jews fulfill the mitzvahs in the Rabban to the same, with the same um, care as they fulfill mitzvahs in the But just the question is whether this mitzvah that's discussed in the end of Ksubis and the Mishnah and the Gemara, is this a mitzvah in a Torah, a mitzvah in the so there is an opinion that the mitzvah is only made the uh, The background to this opinion is uh, runs as follows: the Rambam, as we all know, wrote uh, uh, a volume, a sefer that's called Sefer Mitzvah. That's really the introduction to the Rambam Sefer Mishnah Torah. The Rambam lists off what he considers are the 613 mitzvahs, and then he wrote all Mishnah Torah to explain what are the details of all of these 613 mitzvahs. Uh, and the Rambam lists what he considers are the 613 mitzvahs. And the Ramban disagrees here and there with the Rambam. The Rambam was not the first, he was not the last. Uh, before the Rambam and after the Rambam, different Gedolim wrote Sifrei HaMitzvahs where they had slight Shinuim from each other. So the Ramban disagrees with the Rambam here and there regarding specific mitzvahs say About 16, 17 mitzvahs say he deletes from the listing of the Rambam and then he has to replace them with other uh, mitzvahs say because the Midrashim have a tradition that there are 248 mitzvahs said. then the Midrashim tell us that there are 365 mitzvahs so again the Ramban deletes about 16, 17 of the Rambam's 365 mitzvahs he has to replace them with another 16, 17 so the Ramban lists off what he considers are the Hashmatas those mitzvahs are say that the Ramam forgot and those mitzvahs loises say which the Ramam forgot so in the listing of the Ramban it's famous the fourth mitzvah I say is the most famous most, maybe it's not the most important but that's the one that's most famous that the Ramban counts as a mitzvah that we should all live in Eretz Yisrael and he has a taina he complains why the Ramam failed to count this mitzvah why the Ramam didn't include the mitzvah in the minyan mitzvahs of uh, everybody living in Eretz Yisrael so some of the Akronim suggest that Knesset Sagdala quotes such a suggestion that the Ramam quotes all the dinam that it's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael the mitzvah is only made the it's not a mitzvah minatar okay it could be that it's only made the this is not the generally accepted view it's generally assumed that the Rambam agrees with the Ramban that this is the biblical mitzvah that we should all live 
uh, in Eretz Yisrael. And the reason why the Ramam didn't count it in the listing of the Mitzvah Sasei, the 248 Mitzvah Sasei, is because the Ramam thinks that it's already included under a different Mitzvah. It's already subsumed under some other Mitzvah. Which are the Mitzvah? So everybody gives a different suggestion. Which are the Mitzvahs that are included under? Or maybe it's a Mitzvah Klolis. That's why for some reason or another the Ramam felt that it should not be counted as an independent Mitzvah, but he agrees with the Ramban that it is a Mitzvah Minatari to live in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, was there always such a mitzvah to live in Eretzel even before 1948 or did the mitzvah only begin after 1948 does it make a difference whether you have a Jewish Medina or it's under the Turks or under the British so some of the Pasuk came before 1948 some of the Pasuk and you are right when you read the Pasuk in the end of Chumash uh, Bamidbar the Pasuk reads Vaharashtam Sa'aretz V'yishavtam Bo so the Pasuk has two parts to it that's the Ramban and his commentary on Chumash points this out and the Ramban and his Sefer Mitzvah. And Mitzvah says Sidalit when the Ramban is listing off which Mitzvah say he thinks the Ramam failed to conclude. So the Ramban points out that the Pasik has two parts to it. We should seize control of Eretz Yisrael. And when Eretz Yisrael will be under Jewish control, the Yishaftim Bod, then there's a Mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. So the Toskin already pointed out uh, over a hundred years ago that the main mitzvah bishleimus of living in Eretz Yisrael is when it's under Jewish control. But even when it's not under Jewish control, throughout all the generations, the word Tzadik and Chassid and who tried uh, their best to try to live uh, in Eretz Yisrael. So there is a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael whether it's under Jewish control or not, but the mitzvah is more Musa when it is under Jewish control. There is a very fascinating tshuva that was authored by the Avnei Nezah. The Avnei Nezah died about a hundred years ago when they were just beginning to colonize Eretz Yisrael. So he was asked, he was posed the question, uh, is there a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael b'zman so they ask, was, is there a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? And if there is a mitzvah, how come the Gdoli HaChasidus never went to Eretz Yisrael? Two parts of the question. So he has a long tshuva, it's in the end of Chelek Yeredeh. The mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael in Shulchan Aruch is found in Ebenezer, in all places. Because that's where it appears in the Mishnahite in the end of Ksubis. The Mishnah in the end of says, that uh, whenever a couple gets divorced, Khalila, so the husband has to take Suba to the wife. Unless he can ascertain that it was the wife's fault for ruining the marriage. The wife refuses to go to mix. Okay? The wife is, uh, she decides she's going to cook non-kosher food. So uh, the wife is ruining the marriage. If the wife decides she doesn't want to watch until it's a dime in the morning, so that's her problem. The husband has no right to... The wife decides she wants to stop uh, keeping Shabbos. That's her problem. That has nothing to do with the marriage. If the husband is unhappy and he wants to get rid of her, he wants to marry a woman who is a Shemar Shabbos, so let him pay her Ksubah. But if she does something that's going to affect the marriage, she doesn't want to go to mikvah. So he can't live with his wife or she's cooking him non-kosher food. So that affects the marriage. So then if she's ruining the marriage, then uh, the husband has a right to divorce her without paying any exhibit because she's responsible for ruining the marriage. So the Mishnah has the following uh, discussion. The couple is married for the last 50 years and they live in Washington Heights. And all of a sudden, the husband has a Mishikah. So he wants to move to Eretz so became a big Zionist. And the wife says, what are you, crazy? Our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, everybody lives here in America. Who wants to? You're crazy. I don't want to live in Eretz Yisrael. So one would have thought, the wife is normal. They lived for 50 years in Washington Heights. The husband decides all of a sudden to become a Zionist at the age of 75. 
So the Mishnah says, no, whichever party, whether the husband and the wife, whoever wants to move to Eretz Yisrael, has the Gerech the Taina, they have the right way of thinking, and the one who wants to stay behind the Chutz Laaretz is the one who's at fault for ruining the marriage, so we declare in such a situation that the wife is at fault for ruining the marriage. If it's, if it's the reverse direction, it would be the same thing. If the wife decides she wants to move to Eretz Yisrael, uh, the husband wants to stay behind. Same thing. Whoever wants to move to Eretz Yisrael has the Gerech the Taina. And um, the one that wants to stay behind uh, is the one who's considered ruining the marriage. So the Mishnah, the only place in the Mishnah is where the mitzvah of moving to Eretz Yisrael appears is in the context of paying suba when the couple gets divorced. So that's why in Shulchan Aruch it appears in Ebenezer. It appears in Shulchan Aruch in the same place that it appears in the context in the Mishnah. So the Abdinezer has a tshuva, but he didn't put the tshuva in the middle of Ebenezer, no one would be able to find it then. No, no one would know to look at Ebenezer. So the Abdinezer put it in the end of Yeridaya, where you have Hilchas Eretzisot. You don't really have Hilchas Eretzisot at the end of Yeridaya. But you have Hilchas Haprashas, Trumas, and Maestras. But the Abdinezer calls that Hilchas Eretzisot, so he has this tshuva there. Is there a mitzvah to live in Eretzisot with Manazer? The infinite Tzadayimah wants you to assume that there is such a mitzvah. How come the Gdolei Hachsidis didn't move to Eretz Yisrael? So first he ascertains that there certainly is such a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael B'zman Hazer. And he says, notwithstanding all of those who think otherwise, he shows that it's just not so. And those who misread and misinterpreted various Gemaras, he reads through all the Gemara says, of course there's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael B'zman Hazer. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch Ebenezer. The Dinamar quoted B'zman Hazer. The Mishnah. The Mishnah was written after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash before 1948. So what changed from the days of the Tanoi until uh, till the year 1900 when he wrote his Truman? But then the second half of the question he has to work hard on: Why didn't the Gedolei Hachasidim move to Eretz Yisrael? So he says the Hasidim couldn't move to Eretz Yisrael; they wouldn't be able to make a parnasa. So imagine that the Gedolei Hachasidim, big Hasidish rebbes, would move to Eretz Yisrael, and the Hasidim living in Poland would support them. They would send money to Eretz Yisrael to support their but the Rebbe's wouldn't be able to have any influence on the Hasidim. The Hasidim were in Europe. They, could, they couldn't get jobs in Eretz Yisrael at that time, the early 1900s. So he says the Rebbe's would, would be living in Eretz Yisrael. There would be a partial fulfillment of the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. But the real mitzvah of Yishu of Eretz Yisrael, Yeshiva of Eretz Yisrael is if you do something productive, if a person works on a farm or a person paves a highway or he builds houses or he does work in security for the Medina, a person is in the army, a person does something that helps the Jewish economy. Okay, if you come to Eretz Yisrael with a lot of money from Chutzlot and you spend it, if it's a Jewish country, they spend the money so you're helping the economy. But he says, under the, under the Turks, if the country is run by non-Jews, so what the Siddish Rebbe is going to live in Eretz is going to live off of money that's sent to him from Chutzlot. So he's not improving a Jewish economy. There is no Jewish economy. He's not furthering a Jewish government, there is no Jewish government. He's not having any hashpoil. Let's say there's a Chassidish Rebbe lives in Eretz Yisrael and has all of his Chassidim. So he's teaching the Chassidim Torah. He's teaching Chassidim Yerushalayim. Avodis Hashem good. So he's doing something for the, for the country. He's improving the level of Yerushalayim of the Balabat. But if the Rebbe is going to live in Eretz Yisrael all by himself and the Chassidim is going to live in, in Chutz Loret. So what is he going to accomplish there in Eretz Yisrael? So it's not really the Mitzvah Bishlai Musa. It's very incomplete. Not only is the Mitzvah incomplete in the year 1900 because Eretz Yisrael is not under Jewish control and the Pasuk reads Vaharashtam Asar Tzvi Shaftam Bo when Eretz Yisrael is under Jewish control then there's a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael it's even an incomplete mitzvah just forget about 
there's two halves of the Pasuk. It's incomplete because Yeshiva Beretzel means that you're doing something to improve uh, the country, to improve the economy. And he writes that he heard that he heard that one of the G'daylim in his generation, he doesn't say who it's Rabbi Yosef Engel, wrote in his Sefer, apparently he didn't have the Sefer so he didn't want to quote uh, this quote, so he says he heard that one of the G'daylim wrote in his Sefer that Yeshiva Beret Yisrael the term Yeshiva has the connotation that there's a relationship between the person and the country, the person doesn't just happen to be located geographically in Eretz Yisrael he lives in Eretz and he does something to improve the land, so he says that one of the G'daylam brought a raya in his sefer from Ebenezer Hilchas Gittin uh, when, uh, when Rahman al-Islam when a couple gets divorced so you have to write in the get the city where the get is taking place so how do you identify cities there are many New Yorks there are many Philadelphians there are many Newarks probably every state in the United States has a New York and has a Philadelphia and has a Newark so you identify the city by the rivers or by the oceans or by the lakes that, it's, uh, that are nearby but let's say in New York, you write New York, Masa, a city, the Asphal, Kef Yama, Bahal, Nahar, Hudson. That New York is bordered by the ocean and bordered by the Hudson River. So probably in the other states, there are another 49 uh, New York cities, but the others are not on the Hudson River and they're not on the ocean. So the post can say in Ebenezer, you only write Masa, the Yasva, a city that's located. Yasva means the city sits next to the Hudson River and sits next to the ocean you only write that expression if the people who live in the city use the Hudson River and they use the ocean for something or another either they use the water for drinking purposes or for washing their clothing or for transportation but if they don't use the water at all it just happens to be located next to the Hudson River or next to the ocean that's not called Masad the Yasa Yasa means that it's physically located, geographically located at this place and that there's a relationship between the people and, and the body of water. So the Abinadeh writes in its Shuvah that he heard that one of the G'dalim, that's what Yosef Engel wrote in the Sefer, that the mitzvah Yeshiva of Rashtamarts of Yeshaftim Ba, Yeshaftim doesn't just mean you should be geographically located in Eretz you should live in Eretz Yisrael. You should live in Eretz Yisrael and have a relationship with Eretz Yisrael. You should improve the land. That people the people who work on a farm in Eretz Yisrael so they're improving something people paving the highways people building putting up buildings people working on economics people doing security people are doing something in Eretz Yisrael to improve the Jewish economy or the Jewish country but to educate the public thus haste yeshiva Eretz Yisrael and it's interesting the Abnei quotes in this context that if the Chesidish Rebbe, if the Tzaddik throughout all the years uh, would go to Eretz Yisrael and they wouldn't have on whom to have any influence uh, they would be living off of the money from Chutz Lord that the Hasidim would send them and they would just be improving the Arab economy there was no Jewish economy at that time so they really wouldn't be fulfilling the mitzvah of Yeshiva there at Israel. so in this context he quotes the Rashi and Chumash and Parshish Vayishlach but Rashi quotes in the name of the Medrash when Yankov Abinu returns to Eretz Yisrael after being in Chutz Lord for so many years and he made a fortune Yankov Abinu was a rich man when he comes back to Eretz Yisrael he has so no bakar he's so wealthy he was a shepherd how much Parnosa does a shepherd make somehow Yankov Abinu struck his head. She was very wealthy. So when he comes back to Eretz Yisrael, he gives everything away to Esau. Why? So Rashi in his commentary on Chumash quotes the expression from the Medrash, I'm not interested in living in Eretz Yisrael off of all of the money that I earned when I lived in Chutzlar. 
Today, if a Jew retires from America and he goes to Eretz Yisrael and he lives off of his pension, so his money is going to be spent in a Jewish shop in Eretz Yisrael, so he's improving a Jewish economy. It's a different story. But a hundred years ago, in the year uh, 1900, when they have the Nezah, writes the Shuba, see the Shurev is going to get, live in Europe and he's going to be living off of money from Chutzlars, and what's the money going to improve? The Arab economy. It's not going to improve anything in Eretz Yisrael. So that's what Rashi writes on Chumash from the Medrash, I want to live in Eretz Yisrael I want to do something in Eretz Yisrael to improve something not to live in Eretz Yisrael off of the money that I earn in Chutzlaret and not to improve a Jewish economy not to improve a Jewish state a Jewish country this question that the Abdinezer raised, if one should assume that there really is a mitzvah, which we do assume, there really is a mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael, so how come the Gedoli HaChasidus, we're not, uh, not all of us are Hasidim somewhere, you can ask the question on the Mishnagdim also. How come all the tzaddikim throughout all the, few, all, all the generations, they didn't move to Eretz Yisrael? A lot of them had the part, not only maybe the Hasidim would be more favorable of supporting their, their Rabbein. The Mishnagdim would also support their Rabbein. How come Tzadikim throughout all the generations didn't go to Eretz Yisrael? So the Abnei gave his interesting explanation. So it's interesting that both Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and Rabbi Soloveitchik, Sechat Tzadikim Levracha, both have the same interesting suggestion. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein has in his Shubas, and I was told that Rabbi Soloveitchik said the same, from the fact that the Tzadikim throughout all the generations didn't go to Eretz Yisrael is an indication that this mitzvah is only a mitzvah or Rishus. This is a Psachinish that such, such a concept exists. We're used to there's a mitzvah of tefillin. What does it mean a mitzvah of tefillin? Every day you have to put on tefillin. There's a mitzvah where the women have to bench licht on Shabbos. A mitzvah, you have to do something. A mitzvah means a commandment. A mitzvah, the first night of Pesach, you have to eat matzah. A mitzvah, a commandment. Mitzvah means mitzvah, a commandment, you have to do something. Comes the Vilna Goyen and he claims that even though there's no mitzvah in the sense, there's no commandment, there's no obligation to eat matzah each day of Pesach, but if a person eats matzah, he has fulfilled the mitzvah. A new concept of a mitzvah kiyubis. There are some Tamir HaChachamim in our generation who disagree with the Vilna Goyen's premise. They say that such a concept can't exist, that there is no such thing. It's a contradiction in terms. What do you mean a mitzvah kiyumit? That you're not obligated to do a mitzvah means mitzvah, a commandment. Mitzvah in Yiddish, a mitzvah means a good deed. You did your mitzvah for the day. You did your help the, you helped the old lady cross the street, so you did a mitzvah. It's not a good deed. You're obligated to help the old lady cross the street. It's not just a good deed. So, if you use the term mitzvah in the sense of a good deed, so you can accept such a concept. There's a good deed that you're obligated to do, and there's a good deed. You're not obligated to do it, but if you did it, you have, you're going to get reward in order my boy. You're going to get a chunk of libyas. So the Vilna Goyen has such a concept. There's such a concept as a mitzvah kiyumis, a mitzvah kiyubis, a mitzvah that you're obligated to do. That's what we would call a commandment. And then there's a mitzvah kiyumis. You're not really obligated to do it, but if you do it, it's a good thing you're going to get reward. So on the assumption that such a category exists, a mitzvah kiyumis, which some are uh, upset about, they think that uh, such a thing doesn't exist. There is no such thing as a mitzvah kiyumis. On the assumption, like the Vilna Goyen, that there is such a thing, that's where Amosha Feinstein and Absolvechik both suggested that the tzaddikim throughout all the generations didn't go to Eretz Yisrael because they obviously they all were of the opinion that the mitzvah to live in Eretz is not a mitzvah chiyubit you're not obligated to it's only a mitzvah chiyubit
Tumas. If you go to live in Eretz Yisrael, you have a Kiyama Mitzvah. And they had bigger things, they, had, they were working on bigger things than that. Rather than volunteer a mitzvah kiyumis, they were working on bigger mitzvahs along the same lines as the Avni Nezer. But the Avni Nezer assumes that it's an obligation to move to Eretz Yisrael. And these G'daylam, Rabbi Shafaishtim, Rabbi Salvechi, both thought that one is not obligated to live in Eretz Yisrael. The whole thing is only a mitzvah kiyumis. It's very questionable. It's very questionable. Who am I to disagree with Rabbi Shafaishtim, Rabbi Salvechi, but the others have uh, questioned the correctness of this position to say that the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael is only option a mitzvah kiyumis it doesn't, doesn't really fully answer the question why the tzaddikim didn't move there it's Israel so the Abnein, you have to go back to what the Abnei said anyway they had bigger and better things that they were working on so you can say there's a mitzvah you're obligated to move there it's Israel but if you have other mitzvahs that are more important so you take care of the other mitzvahs instead there is a mitzvah to live in Eretz Israel the mitzvah is to live permanently in Eretz Yisrael. Is there, does one get partial credit if he lives in Eretz Yisrael for not, on not a permanent basis? So this was a big discussion over a hundred years ago. The Poskim, I have suggestions, centuries ago, the Poskim have discussions about this. So there are different suggestions. So the Mogin Abraham, in his commentary on Hilchas Erev Shabbos, uh, quotes in the name of the Knesset Sagdaila that there is a partial mitzvah if a person just walks four Amis in Eretz Yisrael. Even if he only visits Eretz Yisrael and he goes back right away the same day, takes the first boat out, the first plane out, he has a partial mitzvah because we have a Pasuk in the end of Shira Sazinu, the concluding Pasuk says, the Chiper Admasai Amai. The simple reading of the Pasuk is the Pasuk uh, Moshe Rabbeinu says Binavuah that uh, there's going to be a terrible holocaust and so many people will be killed, so many Jews will be killed and people will ask Where was God when all of this was happening? Exactly what we lived through. Where was God when this holocaust was taking place? People won't believe that, uh, that there's a God in the world. How can it be? And the Pasuk says that for some unknown reason there'll be this tremendous terrible holocaust and after the whole thing will all be over the chiper atmosay amay so Rashi in his commentary on Chumash writes the simple translation of the Pasuk is the chiper miloshen pius God will appease Admasa, he will appease his land, God will appease Eretz Yisrael, and he will appease Amo, his nation, that Eretz Yisrael was uh, dead for uh, close to 2,000 years from the time of the Churban Baisheni till, uh, till after uh, till 1948 Everything was dead in Eretz Yisrael. The Arabs were there, nothing was growing all the years. The place was a desert. And all of a sudden, everything started to sprout. Mechipar Admasa, Kodesh Baruch will appease his land. And Mechipar Amah, Kodesh Baruch will appease Loshan Pius, he will appease his nation. That the Jewish people were literally dead. So many millions of people were killed by the Nazis. And the Jewish people will be revived. They'll be revived. So Rashi, Rashi and his. Did I drop something? Someone else. Oh. So Rashi in his commentary says that the simple translation of the word Bechiper means Loshen Pius to appease. The rabbis in the Talmud have an additional level of interpretation that Bechiper means Loshen Kapara, atonement. That Bechiper Admasai Amai, if a Jew walks for Amas in Eretz Yisrael, his sins are atoned. 
this is a passage in the Gemara in the end of Ksubis. Of course, the Pnei Yeshua is fast to add on that it's only if the fellow does tshuva. We don't give any kapara if the person doesn't do tshuva. The Tanaim had a dispute whether Yom Kippur gives atonement if the person doesn't do tshuva. And the generally accepted opinion is that no. If a person brings a carbon, he's only his aver is only atoned if he does tshuva. If a person is put to death, uh, the Misa is, only serves as a kapara if he does tshuva. If a person gets malchus, he's punished with malchus. Uh, the malchus, the Pasuk says, uh, After the person gets malchus, his sin is atoned. That's only provided that he does tshuva. So the Ramam starts off in the Hilchah's beginning of Hilchah's tshuva, that uh, there is no atonement without doing tshuva. So the Yeshua says, the same is true regarding one who walks four Amas and Eretz Yisrael. It means if the person does tshuva, he walks Dalad Amas and Eretz Yisrael, so that will accomplish an atonement. But this is the additional level of interpretation that the rabbis had a tradition that the Pasuk is referring to the that walking in Eretz Yisrael will accomplish an atonement for the Jewish people provided that they do tshuva. So the Mogad Avram quotes this in Hilchah Zerah Shabbos he quotes from the Knesset Sagbela that even if one only goes to visit Eretz Yisrael briefly if he plans to walk Dalai Lamas in Eretz Yisrael he has fulfilled partially the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. Others disagree with the Knesset Sagbela and think that walking Dalai Lamas can accomplish a kapara but that's not a mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. If a person lives in Eretz Yisrael for more than 30 days then there's what to discuss. We have a Mishnah in Baba Basra and a Mishnah in Sanhedrin where the Mishnah has different dinim some of the dinim are there Isa. the Mishnah has some dinim that depend on the person living in a city for 30 days and some dinim depend on the person living in the city for a year minimum of 12 months so here with respect to the partial fulfillment of the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael one should assume that just walking four Amis is not sufficient so some are of the opinion that if a person lives in Eretz Yisrael for more than 30 days then he has a partial fulfillment of the mitzvah and others disagree they say no only if a person lives in Eretz Yisrael for a minimum of 12 months. If he lives slightly more than 12 months, then he has fulfilled partially the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael. Let's say a person is going to Eretz Yisrael for a year. And he can either make his ticket in such a way that he's coming back right before 12 months or right after 12 months. Uh, make the ticket that you should stay for slightly more than 12 months. So a person is only going for intercession. He's going to go for uh, three and a half weeks or four and a half weeks. So go for four and a half weeks. If there's one opinion that you only have a partial fulfillment of the mitzvah, if you live in Eretz Yisrael for more than 30 days, less than 30 days doesn't count but less than 12 months doesn't count for anything so if you have a choice of making the ticket for slightly more, slightly less, and make the ticket for slightly more. So these are the three shades of opinion that you have in the classical uh, tshuva literature on the assumption that there is a partial fulfillment of the myths of living in Eretz Yisrael. If you stay there for a short amount of time only temporarily, how long do you have to stay in Eretz Yisrael? So some say just to walk Dalar Amas, that's quoted on the page in Shulchanot, Magan Aron quotes it, and others say 30 days, and others say uh, 12 months. But getting back to this mitzvah, there is a mitzvah, either a mitzvah in Torah, mitzvah in the Rabbana, probably a mitzvah in Torah, some say it's only an optional mitzvah, mitzvah Sarishus, most assume that a chobo, it's not an optional mitzvah, it's a, an obligation. Every Jewish person is supposed to live in Eretz Yisrael, so that's, uh, we're all doing wrong. Everyone's doing wrong. Everyone has to move there. Probably all are doing wrong. But are there any cases where there's no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael? 
So you read the Chumash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded Avraham Avinu Lech Lecham Yad Tchamim Elad He should go to Eretz Yisrael. He was explicitly commanded. That's clearly a mitzvah in the Torah. Avraham Avinu has to live in Eretz Yisrael. Then it says in the Pasuk, Vayirob Baruch There was a famine in Eretz Yisrael. Vayirob Avraham Mitzrayim Olav Yisham Kichobet Harab Yeretz Kenan. He went to Egypt. Why did he violate the mitzvah? The Baruch Shalom said he should move to Eretz Yisrael. The answer is the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael is only if it's reasonable. If the conditions are unreasonable, then there's no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. This is what the Gemara says, that if there's a famine, so it depends how bad the famine is. If the famine is such that you just can't get any ice cream in Eretz Yisrael, so you'll have to suffer and live without the ice cream. But if the famine is a famine taka, you're going to have to fast tanakh every Monday and Thursday. You used to normal living, you eat every day, and you're going to move to Eretz You have to fast all the time, because otherwise you won't be able to make ends meet. So then taka one is not obligated to live in Eretz if he won't be able to make a normal parnasa. We read in the book of Rus that we're going to read on, on Shavuos. There was a famine in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, Naomi and her family moved to Chutzal Eretz, and they were all punished. The Gemara has a tradition they were punished for moving to Chutzal Eretz. So the question is, the Gemara comments this, the Gemara, and the Ramah quotes all of this. Why were they punished for moving to Chutzal Eretz? There was a famine in Eretz Yisrael, it was terrible. So the Gemara says, because they were Anosh and Chashuvim. Adam Chashub Shiny. The Gemara has it in that even if something is mutter, the Gemara has it in many different areas of halacha, even if something is mutter, but a person who's a public figure, a tzaddik, a tamachach, who's a public figure, everybody looks up to him, he shouldn't use the heter that's mutter for everybody else, because everyone's going to look up to him, and they're going to assume he's a big tzaddik, and if he can do that, I'm allowed to do even 10 madregas less. So the Gemara says, an Adam Chashuv, an unusual, outstanding figure, has to be machma more than everybody else, because all the Hamaynam will look up to him, and they'll be makal more than him. They won't just follow what he does. They'll assume he's doing everything with Nimishuas Adin Vidas Chasidis, and we can live on a much lower standard, we can live uh, comfortably uh, 10 Madregas law. So the Pasuk says that Naomi and her family were Ephrasim. And Rashi in his commentary on Megillah Swiss writes, Anoshim Chashuvim. So the Pasuk says they were Anoshim Chashuvim. They were respected Balabatim in the community. They were looked up to. They were looked up to. And although when there's a famine, one is permitted to, live, to move to Chutzlars, they shouldn't have done it. They should have stuck it out. They should have stayed behind in Eretz and suffered. So because they were Adam Chashuv, and they didn't... They, they, they were not machmer al-atzmam. That's what the tradition in the Gemara has it, that they were punished. But for normal people, if one can't make a decent parnasa, if there's a famine in Eretz Yisrael and the conditions are abnormal, then there's no mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. Well, let's say uh, a person will... Uh, no famine. Let's say now there's no famine in Eretz Yisrael. But uh, I won't be able to make a living. Let's say I'm a doctor. They're going to tell me I should go to Eretz Yisrael. They won't, they won't accept me. For some reason or another, they won't accept me as a doctor. So what am I going to do in Eretz Yisrael? I'll be a janitor in a hospital. I'm not supposed to be a janitor. I finished medical school. I want to be a doctor. So to lead such a life, probably not Mechuyev. That's not Lefi Choyda. He wants to be a doctor. He doesn't want to be a janitor in a, in a, in a hospital. I remember years ago, I tell over the humorous story. I was on an airplane in uh, Los Angeles, going, the plane was going to New York, and my wife was going to join me, and we were going to Eretz Yisrael. So a fellow was walking up and back, and he looked so familiar. This is about 20 years ago, he looked so familiar. 
And then uh, as he's walking back to his seat, he was sitting in the front cabin. I, I'm not familiar with that area. <laughs> so, as he's walking back to the front of the cabin, so he says, Hi, Rabbi Shalom Aleichem. He was in my shir 20 years before. So I say, what do you do? He looked so familiar. So he says he's a radiologist. And he lived in Los Angeles uh, for many years. And he's married and has two children. Shine wonderful. He makes the parnas millions of dollars. Then he and his wife decided to go on Aliyah. They moved to Arizona. They live in Savion. Very poor neighborhood. <coughs> they live in Savion. And he only makes up this a half a million dollars. And his wife just can't get used to living in poverty. He tells me. He was walking with jeans and with sneakers without any socks. I was going to put my hand in my pocket and give him a five dollar bill to help him buy a pair of socks. Never. His wife can't get used to living in poverty. So he's going to have to move back to Los Angeles. So there's no mitzvah to live in Eretzah. Mitzvah to live in Eretzah is only if it's within reason. If it's unreasonable or not. So we have to be a little reasonable when we decide, when we determine whether it's reasonable or unreasonable. Making a half a million dollars living in Savion is pretty reasonable. It's better than uh, many of us would, uh, would do. So the mitzvah to live, even if one will assume <coughs> that there's an obligatory mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael, not just uh, an optional mitzvah or shus, an obligation to live in Eretz Yisrael, but the mitzvah only applies when it's reasonable. If there's a famine or the person can make a decent parnasa, the Gemara says, little maturably, so you should let a person lives in Eretz Yisrael. His only chalashing has to go learn in Lakewood. But there are thousands of yeshivas in Eretz What do you have to learn in Lakewood? No, he's in love with Lakewood. He's in love with yeshiva university. He wants to only learn yeshiva university. There's only yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael. What does he need the yeshiva university for? So the Gemara says, that's it. He wants to learn Dafka in this yeshiva. So his life, will, in a certain sense, will be miserable. Even though there's so many yeshivas in Eretz he won't be happy. And this is a crucial aspect of living, learning Torah. Or the Gemara says, there's so many girls, there's so many boys in Eretz Yisrael he fell in love with a girl in Chutzlord so she fell in love with a boy in Chutzlord so tell, tell the boy or the girl that there are 5,000 other single people in Eretz Yisrael you can't tell them that they, they fell in love with this person who lives in Chutzlord so the Gemara says that getting married is considered a crucial aspect of normal living you have to marry the person whom you love and learning Torah you have to learn Torah in the location where you where you are in love with and you have to learn that uh, that part of Torah which you you don't tell a guy has to learn Tanakh he's bored with Tanakh he wants to learn Mishnahis or uh, he's bored with Mishnahis he wants to learn Tanakh you have to let the person learn what he wants to learn and where he wants to learn and which Rebbe he wants to learn under so the Gemara says that to tell a person he has to live in Eretz so to marry the person, marry the girl whom he's not in love with, fall out of love from the other one, or fall in love with some one of the other girls. That's unreasonable. I tell a person, forget about learning in America and that big yeshiva. You pick one of the thousand and one yeshivas in Eretz That's considered unreasonable. So there's no means of, of living in Eretz under such conditions. There is a uh, famous chuva. It's really a letter, but it was included by the Maharam Shik in his collection of Shalvis and Shalvis. Maharam Shik was a student of the Hassan Seifer. Hassan Seifer and his students were fighting reform in Hungary. So one of the Talmidim of the Maharam Shik was in Rabbanus and he was successful in fighting reform. And he wasn't really so keen on the whole thing. He wanted to sit and learn. He wasn't interested in giving drushes uh, against the reform all the time. So in the late 1800s, he was offered a position at Rabbanus in Eretz 
Yisrael. The move there is to talk, to give a shir and give more, to pass the Shabbos, to sit and learn all the Torah all day and all night. So he grabbed the opportunity. What can be better? Mamish got eight. And so he packed up all of his things and he's ready to leave. And he sent a letter to his Rebbe, to the Maharam Sheikh. He wants a blessing for, before he moves. So his Rebbe sends him a letter. I can't give you a blessing. I think you're doing wrong. I don't think you're permitted to leave. And he writes that... Uh, when you were a student in yeshiva, we wouldn't have had the right to draft you into the army of the rabbinate that you should have to fight before. If you would have wanted to, you could have gone into business. But you volunteered on your own to join the army, to become a rabbi, to fight reform. And you're a good general. You're successful in fighting reform. So he said, the general is not allowed to leave the front. You have to stay there and continue fighting. And he writes that uh, he writes about his rebbe. The Chassam Seifer was born and brought up in Frankfurt. That's how the Chassam Seifer signs all of his letters. Moshe Hakotten me Frankfurt. So the Chassam Seifer was later a rabbi in Hungary, and he always wanted to move back to Germany. And he said, at one point, he was offered the rabbinus to move back to Frankfurt. He was ready to leave. So the Balabatim came to him when they heard he was leaving, and they pleaded with him, Rebbe, they were crying and said, Rebbe, who's going to fight the reform? No one like you is successful fighting reform. We're going to lose the battle against the reform. So he realized he's not allowed to go, so he stayed behind. Even though this was his life striving to move back to Frankfurt, he gave everything up because he felt he's obligated to stay behind. And the Maharam Shik uses the expression that Rabbi Salavechi, the Chan of the Rabbi, used to use that expression. And I thought it was humorous until I found, I still think it uh, still tickles me as uh, humorous. Rabbi Salavechi used to say that anyone who's in Chinuch or in Rabbanus in America is fighting assimilation, and it's like a general in the army, and the general is not allowed to leave, the captain of the ship, and the general in the army is not allowed to leave unless he's sure that the, all of the passengers on the ship and all of his soldiers are accounted for and everyone is safe. So Rav Salavashi used to say, one in Rabbanus in America is not allowed to leave because they're leaving the front, this is the front of the battle and a general, it's a funny logic, that's verbatim. I don't think Rav Salavashi saw it in the Jewish of the Maram Sheikh. I don't think this is one of the swarms that he used to read. But uh, that's the logic, that's the expression that the Maharam Sheikh has. And this is the Chuvah of the Maram Sheikh, which was quoted by Rav Chaim Oizer. Uh, Rav Kuk was the first chief rabbi in Eretz Yisrael. And he used to correspond with Rabbi Chaim Moiseh, who was the great Goyen in the Vilna. Chaim Moiseh died around 1940, 1941 or so. 1940, I think. So, uh, Rav Kook invited Rabbi Chaim to move to Eretz Yisrael. And they were going to give him a position as the Rosh Kobnei HaGoyla. I don't know exactly what that means in Eretz Yisrael. Rej Galusa. They were going to call him the Rej Galusa living in Eretz Yisrael. And they were going to have a Parnassah. And they had an apartment for him. A home and a Parnassah and a title. Everything was all lined up and he was ready to move. And then the last minute, Rav Chaim backed out. Because he consulted other Rabbanim in, in Poland. And they said, no, he can't leave. You're still needed in, in Vilna. If you leave, we'll be lacking a tremendous degree of leadership. Whoever is needed in Chutzlar, it's... I live in the neighborhood here 40 years, so I picked up a little German. Not, not enough. Picked us in. They tell me in German there's an expression, a beautiful expression, that says, I'll kill it as I'll say in German, that the cemetery is full of all of those indispensable people. That all these people think that during their lifetime they're indispensable, the world cannot continue after they die. And then a cemetery full of people, and the world still continues to exist the way it always did. So there's no one who is uh, indispensable. The world will continue to go, even if we don't, even 
of all of us disappear. But still, some people are um, more dispensable than others. <laughs> so Rabbi Chaim consulted the other Rabbonins. They didn't say he's indispensable. After he passed away, things continued to run also, but they felt that it wasn't right on his part. He didn't belong in Eretz Yisrael. He was running the Jewish community in Poland, and they felt that it wasn't proper that he should move to, uh, to Eretz Yisrael. The mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael is if it's within reason, if one will be able to make a parnos uh, and uh, things are reasonable, he'll be able to learn Torah, be able to make a shidduch and so on. With respect to single people making up their minds in advance that they're only going to date others who plan to move to Eretz Yisrael, my personal feelings that this is a little uh, unrealistic, this is a little ridiculous, because as it is, the religious people have a very limited pool as far as whom they can marry. There, there, there are only so many girls with the same background as uh, you boys have, there are only so many boys with the same background that you have. So then if you're going to decide to limit it further, you're only going to go out with someone who plans to live in Eretz Yisrael, so that you're making it impossible to find a shidduch. It's difficult enough as it is for a religious person to find a shidduch. So you have to get married, and then after you get married, then you negotiate whether it's meaningful, whether, it's, uh, whether it makes sense to move to Eretz Yisrael, it doesn't make sense. But to make up your mind in advance doesn't make any sense. And to move to, for an American to move to Eretz Yisrael on the assumption that they'll marry an Israeli, uh, I wouldn't recommend that either. That's, unfortunately, it's, that's a mixed marriage. An Israeli and American have a different background. That's like a Hungarian marrying a Galician. A real, you know, a real. <laughs> Not talking about second generation, that the parents are Hungarians, and the children are all Americans. It's all the same thing. I'm talking about, really, in Europe, a Hungarian should marry a Galician. It's a totally different world. It's, it's, it's so different. So an American to marry an Israeli is very difficult. An American to marry an American who made Aliyah territory, so okay, but uh, there aren't that many. If you're going to move territory on the smart that you're going to marry an American Israeli, that's why you're limiting your pool. So my personal feeling is that it really doesn't make any sense. There clearly is a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael, if it's within reason. If a person is a prominent leader in Chutzlar, if he'll be able to move to Eretz Yisrael and do prominent leadership there in Eretz Yisrael to the same extent that he does in Chutzlar, so Gavaldik, so let him move to Eretz Yisrael and be a leader over there. But if the nature of his leadership is such, in America he's a big deal. If he'll move to Eretz Yisrael, he'll be a nobody. He'll be less than he is in America. So let him stay in, uh, let him stay in America and fill a position. He's not indispensable, but let him fill a position of uh, leadership that's uh, that's needed over here. Uh, if he will go to Eretz Yisrael, he won't be able to, to serve as such a position. It's a very important mitzvah. We're studying in the Gemara in Babakama now, in the end of the seventh barrack. The Gemara says that because of the mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael, the Chachamim encouraged us to fulfill a mitzvah, even in certain situations, we'll have to violate uh, certain prohibitions that are normally offered with the Rabbanon, so the Makam Yishev Eretz Yisrael, Hitiru, under certain situations, because this mitzvah was always a problematic mitzvah. Everybody was always mizalzal on the mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael. And especially in our generation, this is the big mitzvah. This is the mitzvah. In every generation, there are certain mitzvahs that are historically more important than others. The mitzvah of living Eretzot today, in our generation, is, is historically of greater importance. If there be more Jews living in Eretzot, the whole Medina would be more secure. It's obvious like that. So we should all have in mind 
after we get married to try to figure out how we're going to move to Eretz Yisrael, but not before you get married. And then the mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael after you get married is, if it's within reason, I thank you very much.